This Week in HPC. AMD recommits to HPC. And HP extends Apollo portfolio. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is distributed on our websites, iTunes, Stitcher, and in partnership with our media partners at top500.org. Michael, big week in the news this week, starting with a company we have not talked about a lot, which is AMD. Right, and the reason we haven't talked about it is they've sort of been absent from uh, nothing to talk about the HPC <laughs> business. They're they're sort of in and out. They they make little forays into it and then disappear for a while. But uh, yeah, at the, at the financial analyst day uh, recently, they they set out a strategy that seemed to include a lot of high performance business strategy going forward. In fact, Tiffany Trader in HPC Wire quotes uh, CEO Lisa Sue starting off the proceedings saying, we are focused on areas that require high-performance compute, high-performance graphics, visualization technologies, and complex system-on-chips. So there you go. It says high-performance compute right there. The CEO says it. <laughs> and it looks like what they're, what they're going to do is, is sort of put the, the Opteron 86 back on the front burner where it hasn't been for a while and and really focus on the performance side of things. I mean, the, the recent updates to that platform is, has more focused on energy efficiency and, and, and other issues. And now they're looking at performance as sort of the number one criteria again, and x86 again, as, as sort of their number one foray back into the data center, whereas before they were very focused on ARM, uh, and now that's sort of put on the back burner. Well, ARM is still there, but let's focus on the x86 for a minute. They're talking about a next-generation, high-performance x86 core, codenamed Zen, which on the AMD slides is advertised as a totally new, high-performance core design with simultaneous multi-threading, or SMT, for high throughput. Also, uh, looking at a high-bandwidth, low-latency cache system, uh, energy efficiency, and coming out in 2016. So, as you said, with Opteron really putting HPC back in the crosshairs where it hasn't been for a while. AMD has heritage here. You go back to the Barcelona chip around 2007, AMD was out shipping Intel uh, into the HPC market for a little while as as Intel was fumbling around with Itanium. Opteron zoomed into the lead, but then, uh, you know, kind of went the other way as AMD had its own troubles with the Barcelona chip. And, uh, and then Intel has steadily dominated more and more ever since. And starting in 2013, it was starting to look like AMD wasn't going to be focusing on performance in x86 anymore. But now here they are coming back. Right. And I think the beginnings of their trouble started basically when Intel got back in the in the business with Nehalem and sort of copied a lot of the design of, of the Opteron and the differentiation went away. And I think what they want to do with Zen is, is get that differentiation back. And you alluded to some of the some of the features they're going to put into it. I think some of them are going to still be uh, unknown until some of these chips come out. The high-end desktop versions of these things, there's not until next year. And the server processors are going to be uh, uh, after that. But it looks like they're going to make a, a definite effort here to create the differentiation they once had against against Intel and get back in this market on the performance end. 
Now, you mentioned ARM, and there's still the plans for 64-bit ARM core, codenamed K12, and that's still on track for 2017, but AMD has right. dropped plans to do a merged x86 ARM chip. Right, and they also dropped sort of the C-Micro business, which, which was originally ARM-based. That was their server business. Uh, they just wrote that off. They might, they, they still retain the intellectual property of that, uh, the fabric that, that was encased in that, but uh, that part of the business itself, the microserver business, they've, they've decided not to go forward with, with their new focus. And, and like you said, the ARM processor is still on track. It's been delayed. It, used to, it was going to come out next year. Now, now it's a little further down the line. So I think they are just re, refocusing quite a bit, sort of getting back to basics of what they were, and, and looking at those opportunities to figure they can they can uh, establish themselves and get a share of this market in the data center business, which is growing, and and they they do sense that customers do want that alternative to Intel, and and that's an opportunity for them. Well, I'll go on record and say publicly that they can do this, that it's not too late for AMD in this market. And this has been critical to discussions that we've had with our clients who want to know what AMD's uh, role could be in the market, You know, whether you're talking to other chip providers or server providers who want to know what to think about AMD. You know, our advice for the last year has been that it's not been a problem with technology, that there's always been a lot to like in the AMD product line and roadmap, but there was a significant question about corporate commitment to high-performance computing markets. We, we didn't know, uh, you know how, how AMD wanted to play in this space going forward. Now, Lisa Sue has been CEO for, uh, what, maybe just a little over half a year, and uh, the honeymoon period's over. It's time for her to come out with a strategy and, uh, you know, blow the trumpet fanfare. Here they come back into the HP space. It is not too late. This is an area where end users are fickle. They will buy whatever the best performing thing is at the given time. And if AMD gets products to the market that are beating the competition, they can get right back in there very quickly. Yeah, and we should also mention that uh in the in the graphics space, they're they're gearing up for a new platform where they're going to integrate their their 3D memory technology, or not their 3D memory technology, but the the high bandwidth memory technology that that's a, a standard in in this emerging area, and they're going to have a a different memory architecture there and compete on that level. A, a lot of the uh, I mean, NVIDIA is doing the same thing with their next generation or their following generation uh, graphics uh, platform as well. But it's good to see AMD uh, doing this as well because, it's, it, again, it's a performance play, and it's going to have to go head-to-head -head with, with NVIDIA and come to that uh, Intel as well to get uh, the memory bandwidth uh, performance uh, competitive again. I think that's that's exactly right. But the favorite thing to like about this announcement, other than it, it just brings them back is, into relevance in the discussion again, is that you know it touches all of the different parts of AMD's product line. They're looking at the Optron x86. They're looking at ARM, the APUs, the GPUs. All of these are rolling forward in, in high-performance ways that are going to be meaningful and relevant to HPC users. Now, this is and, – and, and all the different executives are on board, too. This 
this wasn't just Lisa Sue talking. They had CTO Mark Papermaster in there, the, the head of their enterprise server division, Forrest Norod, who used to be with HPC at, at Dell. Now, all of them making great statements about this path forward. And this is important for users because we've said ad infinitum over the last two years that the biggest stress point for users right now is the diversity of compute architectures and the need to test for what areas you want to be on going forward. This will get AMD back in, but also gives end users an option if they want to stay on x86, but for whatever reason don't want to be on Intel proprietary platforms. We'd gotten to where x86 sounded open, but was essentially Intel proprietary because there wasn't any other dominant vendor. Now there's another x86 choice again. Right, that does open it up a little bit, but the the uh, plethora of ar architectures isn't going to necessarily be helped by this. Now we're going to have you know an ARM version uh, from AMD, and if they if they actually field a high performance specific APU, that'll be a, a yet another architecture that uh, HPC right. users will have to deal oh, with. It gets more complicated, no doubt, for sure. I mean, they didn't talk much about their APU plans, although there's there's something in the works to put a much more powerful GPU on that CPU GPU hybrid chip, and I have a feeling we'll see something someday uh, soon, or not not in the too distant future on that, and that'll be a, a very interesting play for them. I think it's the real differentiation they have against both NVIDIA and against Intel to put something like that into the market if they if they decide to focus on, on that platform. Yeah, and, and Tim Prickett Morgan did a good job writing on this in, uh, in the platform, looking the opportunities for the total available market that AMD can go after here in the data center space and, you know, linking all the way down in the Internet of Things. AMD has all of these products that, that now are part of the active discussion. I, I would say the last thing that I would bring into this that's important is it gives the server vendors options in terms of how they're going to uh, build their systems together. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, what does it mean for a company like HP or or Dell, you know, who can today put out a, a, a box that has an Intel x86 processor and an NVIDIA GPU and a Melox interconnect. But by the time you get a few years down the road with Xeon Phi and OmniPath, it wasn't clear that you could have those same options in an Intel x86 platform. Now maybe you do. There are a lot more options for, uh, for an x86 server vendor to have flexible configurations. Yeah, definitely good news. If this plays out the way we, we hope it does, it definitely will open up the options for people. And we should say, I mean, AMD has never, like like we said, never lacked the, the intellectual property to do this. It's always been a tough road for them because it was sort of an asymmetric competition for them. They had to go head-to-head -head against Intel, a much larger company with a much more diverse set of offerings. So they always needed to find a way to focus on the areas to attack, and, and they've, they've shifted their focus a lot over the past few years. And if they stick with this, uh, I, th I think this will bode well for them. Yeah, well, there's a great quote from Forrest Norod that, that uh, Tim Prigg and Morgan had in his uh, article on the platform where uh, Forrest starts talking about, uh, you're absolutely right, we have 1.5% server market share right now, and I'm telling my teams that that's an asset. When you have 1.5% market share, you can think differently. <laughs> and, you know, he has a point that they've got the, the ability to 
really take a revolutionary approach to what they're going to try to do here. So I, I think there's a, a I think AMD just puts themselves squarely right back in the discussion. Uh, I think they do. It'd be exciting to watch it develop. Well, and speaking of the server vendors in this space, I don't want the podcast to go on too much longer, but we'd be remiss if we didn't get uh, HP's news in where they're extending the HP Apollo line to not only serve traditional HPC markets, which scale from the entry level up through supercomputing, but also now extend, pushing out into uh, big data storage servers and uh, platforms for hyperscale. Right, and they're, they're doing that with two new Apollo lines, the Apollo 2000 for hyperscale compute and the Apollo Apollo 4000 for uh, the, the data storage uh, server side of it. So they've, they've sort of slipped those in underneath the uh, 6000 8000 for HPC and supercomputing. Now they've got a, a full lineup, and they've sort of split it uh, sort of uh, asymmetrically between you know big data and HPC, but a lot of these things overlap between them, so you have to sort of go in and figure out what, what you really need and what these things really do. Yeah, it's funny. We're used to seeing products that have these increasing numbers related to scalability, and here we have the Apollo 2000, 4000, 6000, 8000. Obviously, they knew the two and the four were coming, which is why they started with the six and the eight. But you know, this isn't really a question of the scalability, the infrastructure in this case. I mean, after all, it's the Apollo 2000 that's got the label of hyperscale, right? right? So these are meant to be very scalable infrastructure deployments, but what we're really looking at is what's the size of the individual job within that, where in a hyperscale infrastructures are, are typically running, you know, uh, small internet types of jobs. It's the infrastructure that's hyperscale, not the individual application mm -hmm. itself. And then as you go into uh, big data and then up through the, the entry level and mid-range HPC up to supercomputing, uh, you know, the, the jobs, the potential individual long running jobs get bigger and bigger. Right, and it's the 2000 that's maybe of most interest to, to HPC and, and related big data. I mean, that's the compute side of it, obviously, but it, it's it's sort of the one-use traditional rack server side of it in the HP or the, the Apollo architecture, and it's, it's the one that they're actually calling out, positioning for HPC workloads as well. So it, I guess depending upon the size of your HPC workload and, and some of the attributes, do you go for the Apollo 2000, the 4000, or the 6000, or the 8000, and just sort of pick your pick your platform like that, but it, it's it's got the, the big data sort of mantra sprinkled over it, so it's it's for a lot of different applications. It's not just not just HPC, the whole hyperscale space that uh, that needs a sort of uh, maybe bare bones cluster with uh, with a little more data intensity. Now, going back to when they launched Apollo, what was that ISC last year, right in the summer? We've been very I've been, I personally have been very vocal that I thought this was uh, uh, an exciting announcement for HP. I really like these platforms, bringing them back into high-performance computing. And I, I've been through the uh, marketing materials now for the 2000 and the 4000. I found stuff to really like and stuff that I didn't like as much. Uh, you know, with what I really like is I think HP has uh, really appreciated the idea that high performance is now relevant in these uh, more commercial non-HPC uh, related areas like 
like big data. We found in our research that performance and scalability in big data markets uh, takes on a greater importance uh, in the end user's uh, evaluation of infrastructure than uh, traditional things like RAS. That the whole point with big data is you need uh, infrastructure components that can handle efficient performance at scale as you take on these tasks. So HP gets that right. Where they kind of continue to leave me flat is as you read through it, and they talk about the value proposition for their various uh, target customers or existing customer case studies. All of the advantages that they get on go back to these facilities messages of lower cost, higher density, less power. Uh, and, you know, that's all very nice. But gosh, I wish HP would come out and talk about some great innovation in product or in research that their customers were able to get to at some point, which is what do you get excited about with, with HPC and with big data? Talk about the, the great new insight, would you? Yeah, well, you, you got to remember the Apollo line is is basically refinement of ProLiant line, which I think eventually they'll, they'll phase out. It'll be Apollo and Moonshot will sort of carry them forward uh, in, in different ways. And you know they've they've made some innovations here, and I think it's good that they're sort of bringing now sort of this uh, the more enterprise slash big data side of it into the into the Apollo fold. But yeah, they 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 sort of mix metaphors a lot, and they include things under big data, like you know the you know back in uh, the back end process, and then and. Uh, just capacity computer, capacity storage, and, and things like transactional uh, computing as well, which a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't put under the big data category at all. But it, it's meant to it's meant to offer a line that sort of solves all those problems, and you sort of pick your configuration and, and options to to do that. But it, it's it's a hard message to put across because they do sort of mix up sort of the performance and and uh, the the, the Raz end of it a little too much for my taste as well. Well, you know, it is a complicated message, but the, the fundamental thing is that I like the technology for HP and I like technology for AMD here. I think these are both really positive stories for the industry. They're going to continue to give end users in this space a lot of options uh, for their configurations going forward, which I get is challenging right now. There's a lot to choose from. There's not this convenient notion of an industry standard whatever that's going to be the same no matter where you get it from. We're, we're, pendulum has swung back to a differentiated world again. Yeah, it has. And then we just attribute that to the application explosion. It's, it's differentiated applications. They require different solutions. And you know whether you're a chip vendor like AMD or, or a system vendor like HP, you're adapting to that. So we're going to see a lot more uh, complexity in this space, and that's, that's okay. All right, Michael. Well, great stories. Thanks for discussing them with me, and thanks to you for listening in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 